Welcome to The Creative Sandwich, a podcast where you'll learn how to leap past your competition by blending solid business principles, the creative process, and design thinking to produce breakthrough innovations. So before you can expect value from a process that can create great ideas, first you've got to take a long, hard look at the environment, the culture within your organization. It's completely useless to expend any effort to create breakthrough ideas if they're just going to be shut down by the culture. Here's a great quote by Nathan Marvold. You can look him up. He's a past CTO of Microsoft. He's got his name on hundreds of patents. I think he's earned the right to be quoted on the subject. Anyway, his quote is, if you don't have an environment where creative people can create new ideas, then you won't have any new ideas. Sounds like the voice of experience to me. Managing change is a huge business problem. You and I know that we've got to get past the obstacles. Change is just too pervasive to ignore. And it doesn't ever stop. In order to survive and thrive, your culture needs to embrace the fact that change is a process of continuous adaptation, not any kind of discrete one-time event. Organizations need to continually be prepared to experience frequent changes and all levels of the organization need to be prepared, not just the leadership and not just the mid-management. It's reasonable and natural for so many organizations to focus on risk avoidance. If things have generally been going right, then why rock the boat? Unfortunately, this very same attitude also indicates that they're mired in the inertia, anxious to maintain a steady state. The cultural goal is largely about stability and routine not ideas and innovation. In these organizations, new ideas and broad changes are are naturally met with resistance, and, and when these changes sweep through on a frequent basis, organizations reach a point of fatigue, change fatigue. Then the next step is cynicism, because these changes rarely, if ever, seem to really come to fruition. These initiatives never reach their full potential. No business podcast would be complete without tossing out at least one business statistic to pin a number on something that we already know to be true. So, here goes. McKinsey estimates that 70% of change programs fail to achieve their goals. Now, if that number is even close, then lots of us are in real trouble. It shows just how ridiculously bad organizations are at managing change. Sure, the problem has a big impact on the business, but it also has a real impact on your people. Real people worry about health insurance costs. They have to pay the mortgage every month or worry about a year-long lease commitment. They're funding tuition, struggling with family health issues. They've got caregiver challenges. And they show up every day, take ownership of their roles, and make it all happen. They really don't need the extra burden of shouldering the load of failed change initiatives, which rarely, if ever, are successful. They never see improvements in anything. It just becomes an extra non-productive workload going nowhere, digging a hole and filling it in. It's out of control, at least out of their control, all because organizations can't seem to get their head around managing change. I was having dinner with a, a very good friend of mine recently, and, and we were discussing this topic, and he noted that, in his opinion, managing change is really just an exercise in basic leadership skills. And I agreed. And if you're in leadership, you understand that 
that these people are the same people that you depend on to get things done. After all, these people already have standing commitments, deadlines they've got to meet. They're probably already tasked at 110 or 120 percent. They are busy all day doing their day job and into the night fielding emails and prepping for the next day. Then the next change initiative gets thrown at them and it can all just start to feel so overwhelming. When all the extra effort continues to fall on their shoulders over and over again, and when it becomes increasingly obvious that the outcomes almost always end in failure, well, then there's no light at the end of the tunnel. The faith in leadership starts to erode, and and it should erode. And you know it also has to be a factor in the dismal employee engagement numbers that we've all seen. It's like, doctor, it hurts when I bang my head against the wall. Well, stop doing it. I can't. It's my job. The situation, this picture I'm painting, naturally breeds resistance, resistance to change. This is not what you want to see in your companies. We want people excited to see how the next new idea, the next big opportunity is going to make things better. They're motivated to see it reach success. They have something to look forward to because they understand the value of reaching the destination. Most folks agree that fighting evolved resistance is very costly, and the best way to deal with this is to be proactive. I know that's been my personal experience, so I would suggest that if you're in leadership, you'd better get ahead of this before you start pushing the next change in the organization. If you're a 70 percenter, then the way you deal with change, well, it has to change. Be proactive. Communication is a, is a great place to start. Get in front of people, have discussions, answer the hard questions, and on and on. Yes, it's going to take a big chunk of your focus, your energy, and your time. People at all levels of your company need to hear why the changes are necessary. They need to be given a clear understanding of the impact the changes will have on them and on their position in the company. The obvious part of this process is explaining the downside of just letting things go on the way they are and how that prospect is actually much worse than any angst that people have about moving ahead. If you try to avoid a candid explanation that includes a what's-in-it-for-me message to your people, then rumor and assumptions will fill the vacuum. At least that's been my experience. In fact, it's been amazing to me to observe just how crazy these rumors can become and still somehow remain believable. But when you leave folks in the dark, your organization runs the risk of losing some really good people. Let's look at it from a different point of view. When good people are left in the dark, you actually push those good people to run the risk of damaging their own careers by accepting less than ideal roles somewhere else because they're avoiding what they perceive to be the coming carnage. You can't blame them for making career decisions on rumor and suspicion. It's natural for anyone to fill an information vacuum with something, and there's always a story of somebody who got out of a company just in time. So if there's an upside, a real upside, not some fabricated fairy tale that nobody with a triple-digit IQ would ever believe anyway, if there's, a, if there's a real upside, then share it. And don't assume that just because you think it's obvious, or maybe you told your directors to be the evangelist of this process, that they did a very good job. After all, how many of them really bought into it? I mean, honestly, sincerely bought into it. So when it's true, then make sure your people understand that staying where they are is not an option. 
explain how they would have less job security staying put and much better career opportunities moving forward. Make it about what's in it for them. You already know what's in it for the company as a whole. They could care less if the company is stronger 36 months from now if the company no longer employs them or employs them in some diminished capacity. Think about retention strategies. Think, think about retraining options. These people understand your business. And the cost of talent acquisition is not cheap on the backside of this. There's going to be ample opportunity to exercise these change management skills because these days, the rate of change is incredible. And the untapped opportunities that await us are really even more incredible. Just imagine the impact that technology will have on your business over the next decade. Imagine how differently you're going to be doing business in 10 years or even five years. Change is definitely constant. It's, it's repetitive. You're, you experience layers of change. Each layer is on its own timeline, independently impacting various lines of business in different ways. We move from one initiative to the next hopefully reaching intermediate successes along the way. But each of these destinations is just a temporary plateau of success. In reality, when we reach one of these plateaus, we're just momentarily poised to begin the next push to the next step up. I visualize this like a stairway, and we're moving up one step at a time. But unlike a conventional stairway, each of these steps is is a different height, and none of these steps really gets to some ultimate destination. But at the same time, I'm really not describing like Penrose steps. I think it's called the impossible stairway, a sort of weird, infinite, circular stairway to nowhere. That's not really what I'm talking about. And I think I'm, I think what I'm talking about feels more like Escher. Not that an Escher-inspired change management concept is going to be particularly reassuring to anyone, I suppose. But regardless of the mental imagery, each one of these steps is, is just a necessary next step up on a much longer stairway. And leadership needs to choose just how high that next step is going to be, how big the potential impact is going to be. And even though leadership gets to decide how big those steps are, the height of those steps is actually being driven by something that your competitor did, or it might be because your customer's expectations and demands have unexpectedly changed. Or it might even be because your own organization took a wrong turn at Albuquerque and had very bad outcomes that now require doubling or tripling down to regain investor or customer confidence. So regardless of the reasons behind this, leadership decides which steps will be taken next. And really more significantly, if these steps at best are just bringing modest improvements or if they completely revolutionize how you do business. So maybe the next thing we need to talk about is the actual process of getting from one step to the next. We should talk about how an environment of constant change impacts this process. The most obvious impact might be to the objectives and strategies you initially put in place. Parts of these strategies are likely to change along the way. You should try to become comfortable with the fact that you're probably going to have to pivot at some point on the way to that original objective, maybe multiple times. In this environment of rapid change, it makes it increasingly important that your strategies not be brittle. They need to be able to adapt to the kinds of things you might encounter along the way. You might start exploring some what-ifs 
look for ways to insert elegant pivot points so that they are essentially baked into the strategy. I, I know, this is just what you need. More complexity in an already complex, high-stakes game of building successful business strategies. Instead of milestones on roadmaps, you start imagining something that looks more like freeway interchanges. But I'm not really suggesting something like railway diagrams. Just less brittle, more flexible. So after strategy, the next way that change affects the process is more personal. I'll state the obvious. If, if you're in leadership, and let's just say in management in general, you've probably gotten to where you are today doing things successfully. The techniques you've honed over the years have served you well. It may seem counterintuitive, but that same history of success can actually work against you in the environment of rapid change. It can fool you into believing that the things you did, the actions that you've taken in the past, will always work in the present. But you may need to embrace new techniques and explore new and unfamiliar strategies, strategies that aren't in your standard toolbox. In the past, taking familiar steps have always rewarded you with success, so you're definitely going to be, or let's say naturally going to be reluctant to deviate from a well-traveled road and apply new approaches. You're going to be forced to navigate your own mental inertia to deal with this one. It probably means relying more heavily on your common sense and critical thinking skills than anything else because you're on new ground here. You might have to rely more on your team and less on your own experience. Overconfidence and inability to listen can suddenly make you a formidable source of resistance. Okay, that's the personal challenge. Now, let's toss in a multiplier, because you're not in this alone. You've got your peers and direct reports to bring along. And you, and you can't just expect that everyone's going to be as adaptive as you might be. Their critical thinking skills might not be as strong. They might just be too comfortable in the way they've always done things. They can't really step up and embrace new tools and techniques, new thoughts, new processes. So where does that leave you? What do you do when they buy a one-way ticket on the resistance train? Well, you're going to have to build and nurture trusted islands of support. Individuals that you know to already be adaptive. These are the folks that have already demonstrated to you that they can optimistically embrace change instead of running from it. They can anticipate the exciting outcomes instead of being fearful of the worst-case scenarios. You've got to start somewhere, and you can't passively go with the flow because it's way too easy to end up face-to-face -face with the devil's advocate, that guy that always has the same response to any idea that he didn't come up with. You know you've heard this a thousand times, quote, well, the problem with that idea is that, and then that toxic little preamble is followed by some one-size-fits-all smackdown. I'll pass on any further discussion about why these people are why they are. It just doesn't matter to me, shouldn't matter to you about their insecurities or, or their need to hand out frequent reminders that they are somehow superior. It does matter that they are the Ted Bundys, the mass murderers of creative thinking. They're the worst personality to have in the room, in the building, on the campus, or maybe better yet, on the same continent when you're trying to advance new ideas and big changes. Okay, I definitely understand that there's a place for candid, constructive criticism. But we also need people with open minds that can quickly see the vision and they can see 
how things can be transformed and how things can be improved. I'm not describing an individual that's always agreeing with you. I'm not describing a yes man. I'm thinking about something entirely different. I'm talking about people with sincerely constructive attitudes where you're more likely to hear a quote like, that's a good idea. Let's work with that. Let's see if we can make that even better. That is moving forward. That's much more productive than immediately trying to find fault and to begin vetting an idea even before the idea is out of the oven. Surround yourself with critical thinkers, sure, but critical thinkers who also have a positive attitude, who can embrace change, who can work an idea, even if it's not their own idea, or even if that idea needs some new paint, uh, a few dents popped out, or have a couple of rough spots buffed out here and there, because for all the effort it might take, personally or organizationally, managing change is a worthwhile effort. You can't look at corporate giants like GE and Sears and tell yourself that culture and change isn't important to survival. These days, organizations, they'll either learn how to navigate their way through the minefields that they've laid for themselves, or they'll become irrelevant because their competitors did figure it out. Unfortunately, my observation is a lot of companies, maybe too many companies, appear to have given up on this approach. They've given up on building an adaptive, innovative culture within their organizations. Instead, they're doing the next best thing. They're investing in promising startups and technology companies that already have an adaptive culture, a culture that is nimble enough to compete. But is this really a sustainable strategy for the long haul for an established company with so much to lose? Working with these startups, you can hope that some of their attitudes and techniques will rub off on your culture. Personally, I don't see how cultural osmosis is a strong enough force to get you where you need to be. Well, let's start wrapping it up. So if your organization cannot change, if it's filled with so much resistance that leadership can't change it, then obviously there's no other way but to look elsewhere in a crisis, like these technology companies and startups. But what happens when you kick that can down the road and one morning a crisis comes along that's centered in your core business? You know, that area that cannot adapt to change? The day that that happens, outsourcing adaptability is no longer an option. What do you do? Well, one popular response I see most often is just to toss out some PR. Find a little high-tech attention getter and then have everybody point to it and shout, Hey, look over there! Look over there! It's an age-old gag. It always works, but it only buys a little time. It's not a real solution. Instead of lame deflections, I really hope that more organizations can learn to create a culture that can foster new ideas, a culture that can integrate new innovations, that these organizations will embrace the opportunity to to cultivate these immensely beneficial capabilities rather than choose to outsource critical facets of their business. I realize that this hasn't been anywhere near an exhaustive discussion of managing change. I I haven't even mentioned one single methodology like ADCAR at one end of the spectrum or viral change at the other end. But we'll be diving a lot deeper in future episodes because successful change management is absolutely necessary if you want to see big ideas generate profitable outcomes. It really is a total waste of time to sit back and watch great ideas and great changes shot down by a resistant culture. Innovation just can't happen like that. Managing change truly is the first step to innovation. 
Well, that's it for this week. So until next week, see you then. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Creative Sandwich. For more episodes, to subscribe, rate, or leave a review, visit iTunes. And if you're interested in learning more about problem-solving, creativity, or solution design, visit us at MarketSureConsulting.com. 